What's going on, everybody? You are listening to the Let's Go Buffalo podcast, your favorite podcast for all things Bills and Sabres. With the pals, Tom and Jake, and I know Halloween was last week, but our ghost friend, Nigel. We have... (laughs) (laughs) We've got episode 15 coming at you today. Uh, And before we jump into it, a quick reminder to follow our social media accounts, uh, at Let's Go Buff Pod. That's Buff with two Fs on Instagram and X. So let's say hello to the fellas. Quick hello from Nigel. Hey, thanks for being here. And quick shout out to Tom. Tom, how you doing today, pal? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I can't wait to break all of the rules because Nigel's not here. <laughs> oh, we're going to misbehave this evening. That's for sure. Yeah, and he, he can't do anything about it. He can't. It is kind of nice. Like, it does feel like he's he's still here because we have him record. Who he recorded the the intro for us, you know, uh, a long time ago, back at the beginning of of our little podcast run here. So it's nice kind of having him kind of lead us up and cue us up. But yeah, no, he can't do anything about it. We can say whatever we want uh, tonight. Absolutely, absolutely. We we miss him. We miss having him here. But wish him all the best. So eh. Uh, <laughs> not 90 percent the best. yeah we do yeah we do yeah we do. <laughs> we do we do so anyways tom we're gonna get into some bills chat about their recent matchups this week and where they go in uh week 10 against the broncos we're gonna give a Excuse little recap me. oh what's that what's that? You're, you're giving you're giving an intro all right no you're doing good no you're doing a good podcast work here my bad i'm let you you're doing a bills recap and then what's coming next no i'm sorry and, and then and then we'll dive into the sabers that's all i was saying that's all i was saying just just Queuing it up a little bit. I know I don't have Nigel's uh, panache as far as uh, it, queuing things up, but I'm trying my best. I'm trying my best. Jake, I'm thirsty. That was my issue. I was scared that you're going to get me going without a beverage in my hand. <laughs> you, you better believe I won't do that, Tom. So let's let's get right into it. Let's crack them. Let's crack them down in three, two, one. Ooh. All right. I uh, have uh, double dipped on uh, breweries, but a new beer for this week. Um, this is from Zero Gravity up in Burlington, Vermont. And this one's called Powder Jones, uh, oh. which is uh, definitely ski related. And I think that uh, it's an IPA. I think it's quite fitting because we've already had our first snow up here in Vermont. And uh, uh, tis the season. So cheers. Yeah, you and you and your Arctic Circle pals up in Vermont are getting ready to ski the oh, slopes. Yeah. Oh, we're we're yeah, we're hunkering down. Well, well, me down in the the balmy thirty eight degree Hudson Valley and popping open an Omegang, Omegang, Omegang. I think it's oh. a long A. I'm guessing Omegang. that Rochester accent really really bared its ugly head there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I have what's called the Dream Patch from Omegang. Oh, I'm so glad you asked. It's a fruited sour brewed with cherry, blueberry, and raspberry. Raspberry. Ooh, that's a particular um, uh, flower that you can find. Absolutely. And speaking of blowing raspberries, Tom, now, now we can get into the Bills Bengals game. <laughs> uh, yeah, we should. <laughs> Last week. Um, Sunday, Sunday night football, the Bills fell to the Bengals 24 to 18 or 18 to 24, I suppose you could phrase it. 
Um, it was a big uh, interconference game, uh, lots of implications, and the Bills fell flat. We all were there. We all watched it. Well, maybe not all there, but we all experienced it. And and man, that was that was quite the letdown. Um, I did go in. I think you and I um, had predicted the Bills to lose, so I should not have been as let down as I was. But um, no, that one didn't feel good. What was your like gut reaction to to experiencing and watching that game and looking back at it? Well, I got to say, I, I predicted 25-18 Bengals, which was a scoregami, and I am pissed that I was one point away from from uh, that that you know bingo of of getting the score right. But more pissed that the Bills lost. Um, I guess initial reaction was that it's just it's tough to stop that Bengals offense when it's rolling, and especially when our defense is as banged up as it is. Um, and it just it seemed like our offense again. Uh, faltered when when asked to step up to the plate and go win a game for the bills and that that's been evident throughout the year and it it reared its head again um yeah it's it's tough to see um i think i think josh allen looks a little broken maybe for lack of a better word i don't know if you agree or disagree but it's it hasn't looked the same. Where, where's our signature yearly hurdle? Like, why, why is he not running and, and pushing plays as much as he has been? The stallion needs to be cut loose. I agree. I agree. Um, I I have a, a little case to be made here in a moment, and I have some points to be made of what I'm thinking of it. But I do want to stick kind of here in our general overviews for just a moment. I agree. It just it felt like the offense just just was sputtering. Right. They scored on the first drive. And they scored in the last drive, but there were seven very, very sad looking drives in between where they scored only three points, a field goal by Mr. Tyler Bass, and and just could not put it together. Um, and, and that just can't happen, especially when you're playing a team like the Bengals, right, who is starting to put it together. Art defense um, is is definitely shaken up, right? They are, We have all these big lo- these um, losses at different positions, which we've already talked about. We don't really need to go into um, more there. But Terrell Bernard, Micah Hyde, both left for injuries, excuse me, um, within that game, which is which stinks. And and like right. catch me up. I know they lost, but lasting injuries. What what happened to those two? So um, I maybe in a moment here, I'll do a little bit of producing and go look those up. Um, uh, Terrell Bernard was concussion, um, so he's in concussion protocol, I believe. Um, which is you know it's it's kind of hit or miss. You don't really know when that's going to come back. Um, and then Micah Hyde. Um, again, I saw a quote by Sean McDermott. He's it's it's to be seen. Right, we're not sure what's gonna what's what's happened. What's when his availability will be back. So um, hopefully this week, and hopefully it's not as, as serious as we are. I, it's been a busy week for me. I've not had time to go in and um, look at those injury updates. Um, but th- th- that defense, despite losing um, all those players and being as um, pushed down the depth chart as they were, they still held the Bengals to only a couple points in the second half, right? This, they set this offense up to succeed, and it just didn't happen. The in I do not lay this 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 loss at the defense's feet. I don't. I lay it at the offensive feet. I lay it at special teams feet. Um, this is, and we've heard Sean McDermott quote all week talking about complimentary football and how it's been lacking in the last few weeks. So complimentary football, just for those folks who maybe might be wondering, um, is all three phases um, of the team 
helping each other, setting each other up and not setting each other up in bad situations. For example, the uh, the offense throwing an interception <laughs> early in the game in our own territory, right? And giving the ball back to the defense, setting the defense up in bad position, which happened, right? Then special teams, Sam Martin, who's looked great all year. So I got it. You got to at some point take this with a grain of salt. He, he's not going to be perfect, but man, this was not a good game for him to have a bad game. He had a ton of just short punts that put the, the, um, the Bengals um, offense in great situations, right? So that's, complimentary football the special teams helping and pinning back teams and make giving the defense some time the offense um continuing to move the defense taking the ball away and giving the ball back to the offense in great situations we haven't had that right it's been this this, this um the this bills defense started off the year taking the ball away left and right interceptions fumble recoveries all over the place it was awesome and we haven't seen that we have we have not seen that and i understand that we've We've definitely endured quite a bit of injuries, but that's an issue, and it needs to come back, especially with all these different pressure packages that Sean McDermott is using. I mean, I don't know if anybody else saw it, but he was sending like the entire kitchen sink at, at Joe Burrow, which I didn't quite understand. Um, that's not really the book on Joe Burrow. He's an incredibly intelligent person and an intelligent football player. He's going to pick up on those on those uh, blitzes and make it pay for it. So I. I don't know. I, I didn't quite understand. But when you send that many um, defenders and blitz packages and other really aggressive ways, in theory, it's supposed to set up um, some more high variance plays where maybe you can get a takeaway. And it just hasn't happened. Right. <laughs> I think we had uh, I think we had one takeaway in this past game. Um, and it just that's that's not enough. Right. We're not setting up and complementing the offense and setting them up with the easy answers that honestly we've given <laughs> to other teams so um i've yeah. uh, all this kind of coming back around for me um is is I'm, I'm ready to make my little case here for this this bills team right so we're at a little bit of a, a crossroads they the team can either turn around and face their five and four record and and make something happen here we have the broncos coming up after that we have the jets and then we have the eagles and then we have the bye when we come out of the bye, we have the Chiefs, and it just continues to go from there. So this team needs to wake up. I, I'm hoping at this point they're feeling their back against the wall. I hope that, right? Like this is this is the time. We are we're it's we're five and four. We're more than halfway through the season. It's this team has to come alive, or it's or it's not, and that is what it is. Um, I think there's a better chance for them to come alive because. I think that this Bills, in particular the Bills offense, is operating at a more efficient pace than we think. And I'm not, and there's a reason why it doesn't feel that it's very efficient. Um, In my mind, the Bills offense is operating pretty well. It's just when it doesn't, it's at the worst times possible. So, um, Here's my case. The Bills offense in every statistical category is doing really well in the top third, even higher than that amongst most categories. We are top five in combined offensive and defensive EPA. So EPA stands for expected points added, and it describes how many points on average a team is expected to score on a possession given a particular field position. So are you deep in your own territory? Well, you're not likely to have much many points added if you're deep and you have 90 yards to go. 
Um, if you're within the 25, like you're pretty much expected to add a couple points, right? That's a field goal. That's a red zone touchdown. That's, that's, you're more likely to score touchdowns and score points. Well, the bills are top five, right? We are, we are there. We're top five. We are, when we're there, we're doing it. The, um, the bills are fifth in yards per game. We are third in red zone efficiency and we're fifth in points per game. That is shocking to me, given the eye test doesn't match. (laughs) It doesn't feel good. And I'm I'm agreeing with everybody. Like, this doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel like it should be operating like this, but it is. So in my mind, it's a matter of not that the, the Bills offense isn't operating well. It's when it's not. And that's the times, for example, the one that I already, already referenced today. It's that. Um, second down interception that Josh Allen threw in our own territory against the Bengals and a shot to Dave um, Gabe Davis and um, and Cam Taylor Britt picked him a picked read um, Josh Allen like a book and picked him off and gave the Bengals great field position and then they went and scored and now we're down even further and we have to play even more aggressively. There's just been times where it just doesn't quite operate. We have penalties at inopportune times, taking away drives. We have drops. We have just just a, a, any, a whole slew of different things that just start to really add up and make it feel like we're shooting ourselves. Yeah. And we've seen a couple games. The, the Jaguars game comes immediately to mind, but there's been others where they've been down by multiple scores, but then with 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter, put together some incredible looking drives. And it's like, well, where where was that on the past six drives? Like how much do you think that plays into those stats that you're talking about and the overall narrative of, of them having an efficient offense, but not getting the results to match it? Oh, I agree. I I think that's absolutely part of it. I also think that in between, um, like I I saw a stack go by where we're watching the Bengals game. The the Bills are best in third and five and longer and converting third downs, right? The best in the league. And converting a third down means you're keeping the ball and getting another first down and you get another four downs, right? Like that's good. Um, I think we're there. I think it's it's just something's got to click. I have some ideas for that. I'm going to get to that later, but I think, I think things are are closer than we really think. Um, For another example of how complimentary football has not really been helping us um, in the past five weeks, the bills offense has played 51 drives. Okay. 51 possessions. Only four of those 51 possessions have been past the bills own 35 yard line. We have had an enormous amount of distance to travel, to try and go score. Wow, that's that's incredible. In in that same time, do you have an idea? I'm gonna give tell you right now. It's more. How many um how many uh, drive starts have been past that for opponents? So past their idea? own 35 towards past where their own 35 to better field position than we have. I'm gonna tell you right now. It's it's higher, but how mm-hmm. much higher? Do you have a guess? I figured it must be higher than four. I don't know. Uh, eight. Twelve. 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 Wow. Well, okay. so three times as often. Our opponents are starting closer to their end zone, um, no, to the um, to our end zone in in um, at, at each drive. So like that's a big deal, right? Like they're we're giving them better chances, and we've also had to just go for it. We've had terrible um, uh, turnover luck. Almost every um, of Josh Allen's turnover worthy plays has been turned over, has been intercepted. Right? That's not often that it happens like that sometimes usually it gets batted down it's a bad throw but it gets batted down and hits the ground and we don't turn over the ball well it's been happening 
then um, fumble recoveries. We've every time we we have a st- more than statistical um, a number of fumbles that have resulted in turnovers. And that at some point in my brain, but they, the math does work. Like this has to start rolling back our way. It's just a matter of time. Uh, it's got to be right. And then my last little point here of why how things aren't quite as bad um, as we think. Um, can you do a couple, a little bit of math for me? Ready? Do you have your, do you have, ready? So this is some simple numbers, Mr. Accountant. Ooh, yeah, that's a bigger calculator than we need. Ready? So we, in uh, our four losses, week one against the Jets, we lost 22 to 16. So that's six points. Add six. Week five, we lost to the Jags, 25 to 20. That's five points. Add five. Week seven, uh, we lost to the Pats, 29 to 25. That's four points. Add four. Week nine, we lost 24 to 18 to the Bengals. That's another six points. Add six. Cool. Divide by four, please. How many points per game have we lost by? 5.25, Tom. Like, that's not that much, right? We're in games. We're not getting blown out. It's a touchdown. Yeah, no, 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 knock, knock on wood. Um, <laughs> like, uh, like, we're, like, we're not, right? We're in these games. We're not just giving it away. It needs to be more situationally aware, and we need to be more efficient. So I that's totally, my case. I totally agree with you. If I could push back a little bit, though, I, the Jags game and the Pats game, I think in particular, we let them get ahead and then clawed back, but it was just too little too late, right? So they made the game close, but they just didn't leave themselves enough time, right? Yeah. And I don't oh, want are you, that are you issue saying to become that, systemic. Mostly that's garbage time, right? Are you saying that's like garbage time, makeup time, that we, we just – we got another score in there, but we didn't – it was it was never going to be enough to, to get there? Is that your what you're saying? Yeah, I guess so, Yeah. I think that's absolutely part of it, but I still think like we're in these games, right? It's not yeah. like we're playing. It's not like we're completely outclassed. It might yeah. feel like it because we're very sensitive Bills fans. We are. <laughs> and I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm right there. I, I have thankfully right now. I'm feeling, um, excuse me, um, more um, optimistic than maybe I <laughs> was at about I don't know 11:30 on Sunday night. Um, <laughs> But uh, I think I think something can turn around. But man, does this Bills team need to figure it out, right? They this needs to be a back against the wall kind of situation. I'm ready to. I mean, we're going to talk about this Broncos game in a second here. But um, this is a this is a moment. This is a turning point, and this season could go one of two ways. And I think this is this is the flip of the coin right here. So um, I, I wanted to talk about two more things about the Bengals game before we get to the Broncos preview. But before we do that. These next two games against the Broncos and the Jets from from a higher level, are are they as about must-win games as you can get? And the question is, if they lose one of those games, how concerned are you about making the postseason? So I will let you know that. I actually had a stat. Where did it go? Um, while I'm talking, I'm going to try and find this stat. Um, there, Yeah, we had um, – they are. They at this point in the season, they are must-win games, right? They are. They absolutely are must-win games. At the beginning of the season, looking at them, they're like, yeah, you probably should win, but like, hopefully, we have stacked enough wins. At this point, no. Like, we need. We're five and four. We need a win against the Broncos. Go six and four. Win against the Jets. Have a divisional um, conference win. The Denver Broncos are also conference, so that's important. And um, then be seven and four. And going into this tough slate. Um, yeah, they're at this point they need to be. Um now 
Um, well, you said you had another point, and I'm going to go searching for this stat. So go ahead and give me your next point. Yeah, search away. Because we talked before the season that the Bills have had and have one of the tougher, if not the toughest, schedules in the league, which isn't an excuse. You know, it's that's you're, you're dealt the games that you're dealt, and you got to go out and prove that you're a team that you are. But um, I feel like the, the toughest slate of their schedule hasn't even arrived yet. I mean, they still have matchups against the Eagles, the Chiefs, the Chargers. I'm maybe missing another tough matchup in there. But still, like those are games that are going to be hard fought against very good opponents. So it, it just puts even more emphasis on these games that they, on paper, should win against the Broncos and Jets that if they had performed a little bit better in some of these other close matchups that maybe we're not talking about them being as do or die as they are. You're not wrong. Like, no, you're, you're not wrong. These next two weeks need to be okay team. We need to get this figured out. Let's try some things, whatever it is that we need to do to be more efficient on offense. We need to be able to um, control things on defense. And then let's take that and roll because we need to figure it out. So I went to uh, some uh, playoff odds calculator and currently at five and four, the Bills have a 50% chance to make the playoffs. Um, If we win the next two games against the Broncos and Jets, we event we now have a 62% chance of, uh, of, of making the playoffs. If we beat the Bron, we lose to the Broncos, but beat the Jets. We have a 37% chance. And if we lose both games to the Broncos and the Jets, this will be fun. 6% chance of making the playoffs. I'm not putting my money on those odds. <laughs> no, no, you right? Like it's it's gotta happen. It's gotta be. It's gotta be. So um yeah, I think that's a great cue here. Is there anything else you had um uh about the Bengals here that you wanted to talk about, or do you want to just roll? into the Bills uh, Broncos preview. Let's focus on a positive before we move on. How about Dalton Kincaid, man? Didn't he look great? Like he had the one fumble, but that was at least from my very inexperienced eyes, that was probably his his biggest mistake of the year and not the reason that the Bills lost that game. But he's looked good, no? Correct. Dude, he is everything. He is electric. He's caught almost – I feel like he has like – you know, he's like Spider-Man out there catching every ball that you could ever throw at him. Like it's insane. And you're right. You know what? Like he made a mistake. He didn't think about ball security. He was trying to make a play. He lunged. He got flipped over. And um, that uh, that Bengals linebacker, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he's been making plays. He's a clutch player. And he punched a ball out. He played. He made a great play. The, Dalton Kincaid had the ball tucked. It just was right there to be punched. Um, so no, 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 I don't, I don't blame the rookie. Um, he's going to learn from that. That's going to be a big emphasis from him here on out for the rest of the rest. Every practice, he's going to be protecting that ball, and he's gonna, the coach is going to be trying to punch that thing out. So I think he's okay. Um, for sure. Quick hits now, on the yeah, – yeah, sorry. Now, just one other cool thing about Dalton Kincaid. By week eight, he has – where's the stat? Where's the stat? I wrote it down. I wrote it down. He has um, broken the team's rookie tight end reception record by week eight. Wow. Week I, eight. He has 40. He has 40, and the previous was held uh, was 36 receptions in an entire season held by Tony Hunter in 1983. I have no idea who that was. Um, so um, Dal- uh, D- uh, Dawson Knox had 23 his rookie year for reference. So uh, in an entire season, 
He had 23. Dalton has 40 by week eight. So, yeah, no, the kid's good. The kid's good, and he's looking the part. He's got incredible hands. He's been a great release valve. And, man, I hope between him, Diggs, and and Shakir, um, and and some other uh, pieces on this offense that this that we can get Josh Hummond and get him some easy answers. Wow, notable snub to Gabe Davis there, but not undeserved. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't want to hear too many me talk too much about him. So fair enough, fair enough. Can I get some quick hits on so Dalton Kincaid, new player this year? Can I get some quick hits on the three new players that we either uh, traded for or signed last week? Uh, because I think two of them played the cornerback and the defensive lineman. Yeah, you did it. Nice. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm buzzing now, Tom. And yeah. uh, so how did they look? And then a quick thought on why did Lenny, Mr. Hamstrings, not suit up? <sighs> Dude, Mr. Hambone. Yeah, so let's start with Lenny. Um, I think it's just a matter of um, we have the depth between Latavius Murray um, and James Cook. Like we had people there. Um, and we have a third string. I can't remember the top of my head. Who's the third string running back? Um, they, we have the depth there. Um, and it's also not the easiest of, of positions to just plug and play. Um, he also is coming off. He's not been practicing. So who knows? Maybe he just needed a couple more weeks of conditioning, whatever it is. I'm not worried. I do think I'm mean, very actually interested of how they might utilize, um, Leonard Fournette, but, um, I think we were, I think they're going to keep him in the stables for when we need him later in the season. Linval Joseph, um, that big, ginormous human being in the D tackle position. He he looked good, man. He he was a run stuffer. He um, I mean, I don't know if you saw, but he just like he, he WWE Joe Burrow, right? Did you see that on the little tush push? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. The little tush push play that uh that uh the the Bengals tried to run. Well, Linval Joseph had um had other plans and uh yeah and stood him up and backed him right up, just like forklifted him, um. So yeah, I'm excited. I definitely, I hope is, is let's keep him in the rotation with him and Ed Oliver and Jordan Phillips and Tim Settle. Um, yeah, I think he's gonna be. I think he's gonna be um, a nice, solid addition to the rotation. Rasul Douglas. Um, I actually don't have the um, the stats in front of me, but man, I think just by the eyeball test, he looked good. Right, he did not start, um, which is fine. Um, Dane Jackson and Christian Benford did. And they've been playing really well and playing really well together. So I think that's that's awesome. Dane Jackson, by the way, played out of his mind this game. He was everywhere, everywhere. He was, um, and it's particularly helping and um, taking away Jamar Chase. He had a bunch of great def- um, defended plays against Jamar Chase, which was great to see. Um, I think Russell Douglas looked awesome. And, and honestly, and sometimes on defense, if they you don't notice them, that's almost better because that means they didn't make a big mistake. So. Um, I, yeah, no, I'm excited to see Rasul Douglas continue to play. Um, we actually might see him play more if um, if uh, Christian Benford uh, can't, can't be uh, can't play this week. So um, I'm excited to have him on the team. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and so good segue. Let's let's talk about next week uh, against the Broncos. So obviously a weaker team on paper. They've struggled in past couple of years and this year. Uh, and we talked about it being a, a must win game pretty much for the Bills. So. Talk me through where you think they can exploit some of Denver's weaknesses and, and what those weaknesses are and, and plot, plot me a path to victory. Like what has to happen for the Bills to, to get it right this week? So the Bills need to be efficient, right? The Bills need to move the ball and can sustain drives. The um, 
the 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 Denver defense has honestly been very good in the last few weeks. They shut down um the Chiefs. They had five takeaways against the um the Kansas City Chiefs, which is what cued that up. It was yes, granted Patrick Mahomes was not feeling well. Um, and I don't know how much that is, but you know what? He can go cry me a river because he gave away the ball like it was like, I don't know, candy. And um, it was um, so I think this this Broncos defense is going to be opportunistic. And especially because Josh Allen's been a little bit of a streak of giving the ball away. I think they're going to be ready for that. Um, the uh, so I, I think if the if the Bills offense can come out. And be multi-dimensional. Can they run the ball? Can they actually get some contributions that we haven't seen that for a few weeks? Can we be consistent by running the ball? Can Josh find um, answers and not be looking for the go big game hunting? Right. We need him to take the checkdowns. We need him to take who's open, take what's given to him, run when when needed. Right. Get that hurdle that Jake is asking for. Like start to take over this game. We need we need the Josh that's ready to come in and see red and and take over this game. That's what we need. Um, Would be sweet to see. Yeah. How many times have we said that on this podcast this year so far and just keep waiting for it a lot. We've it's a lot and he's been playing well, right? He's not having a bad season. It's just his decision-making at opportune times. I already talked about that. So I'm not going to get back into it, but um, I think that's huge. I think our, um, our defense is going to have to make sure that we, we make, make sure that Russell Wilson isn't, this isn't the game that Russell Wilson comes back to being Russell Wilson. He's had a fine season. He has not been bad. He's been um, able to move the ball. Passing game has worked. (coughs) Excuse me. Um, But, like we need, we need, we need to make sure that this isn't the game that the, that the Denver Broncos offense comes alive, right? Go out and score, keep the, keep the, the pedal on the gas and we're going to be fine. Um, I think this is a winnable game, but they, man, they do need to make sure that they, they, um, um, that we, 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 we come alive here. We come alive. This is going to be important. So, um, I think the the change that we're going to need to see in this offense is make sure we spread the ball around. Diggs is always going to be Diggs. We need to get him involved. Get him involved early and often. Make sure he is the solution to us being in sticky moments. Dalton Kincaid, he's been looking off. Like, let's keep that. Let's make that guy the second target. Let's get him juiced up. Let's get him schemed up and get him the ball. James Cook. I want James Cook to be given the ball quite a bit. Let's get him in space. Let's let him be the athlete he is and make a difference. Let's get him the ball um, in uh, in the air, right? Get him some receptions. Get him some dinks and dunks. Take that when you need it. And then um, I think Khalil Shakir has been looking like a stud. I, I There was a catch. I can't remember when it was. It was early on the game that I, I didn't quite see the number 10 on his back when I saw the player and I saw the Bills catch. But I, as soon as he caught the ball, I was like, that's clear. That's clear. Shakir. He has a style. And I could tell just by watching him. And I want him to continue with that. Like, that's let's get him involved. He's been looking really good. He's been available. He's been playing in the slot and outside. So he's been moved around. Um, and I love it. And you know what? Yeah, we talked about Gabe Davis, man. I I need Gabe Davis to give me a reason to believe in him, right? He like in um two weeks ago, he was schemed up left and right. He looked great. It was awesome. He he had like a 10, 11 receptions. It was great. And then almost nothing in this game against the Bengals when we needed him. He's a captain, man. He's a captain. Go be a captain. Go show in a in a in a um a um contract year where he he's trying to go make himself some money 
dude, yeah. go, go show us why we need to resign you and we need to keep you in Buffalo because right now I'm not convinced. A captain in a contract year in a revenge game against the team that knocked you out less than a year ago. Like, go, go and make something happen. Yeah. Uh. All right. Well, so, should we, uh, should we, should we, should we knock out some uh, score predictions here for yeah, Bills Broncos? Man, Monday this Night is Football? scary. This is scary because right now the Bills haven't given me much of a reason to believe in them. Right? They have not. Um, I know I laid out a great bunch of stats, but at the moment they're on the bad side of those stats. Um, and still just doesn't matter what they what they what they end up being. They still just don't equate to wins. So it's tough to say that the Bills are going to win. Um, I am going to call for it just because I, I need to believe in my boys. I need to be here for them. I think the Bills win 31-21 um, in, in, in a win. The offense comes alive. The defense stifles, might give up a point or two, but the defense does what they need to do to keep us in the game. Yeah, fair enough. I I also think the Bills will win. Uh, Trying not to be a homer, but I, I think they bounce back after a, a game that they probably want back in, in Cincinnati. Uh, I, I think they'll come away with a 28-24 win. I think it'll be close. I, I just yeah. don't have confidence that they're going to hold back anyone's offense with, with the number of injuries on D. And, you know, I, I maybe I'm putting a lot of faith in them scoring four touchdowns, but we'll, we'll see what happens on Monday night. I mean, the bills are 12 and three coming off a loss over since 2020. So like they're incredible against the loss. So that's, that's really good. And I do think we're home, right? We're playing at home. We're playing in orchard park. That's prime, bills prime time involved. Game. prime time game. And honestly, the last little caveat to that is uh, my, in my fantasy team, Jalen hurts is uh, out on by. So I picked up Russell Wilson. So I'm hoping I'm, I'm doing a little bit of a, a double Dutch here and uh, putting Russell Wilson in for him to go have a stinker. Cause that's going to be my fantasy <laughs> luck. Um, and that means if the Russell Wilson has a stinker that hopefully it means that the Buffalo bills don't. Well, Hey, there you go. There you go. You heard it here first. Double dutching. All right. Um, Jake, the Sabres have played a few games, eh? <laughs> they have, eh? So, uh, yeah, dissimilar from, from football. We got a couple of games to recap from the Sabres. So since our last podcast, there's been four games. We're going to, we're going to talk through them real quick here. So, uh, last week, Wednesday and Friday, they had a home and home series against the Philadelphia Flyers. So they played on the road in Philadelphia on Wednesday night, and then we're back home in Buffalo Friday night. That's what I mean by home and home. Uh, so they won in Philadelphia, 5-2. to two. Uh, UPL was in net, Uka Pekka um, I, I thought he looked outstanding that game, and, and that was following up his performance where he had a shutout against the Avs. Uh, he led in two goals, but neither of them were at all his fault. Uh, some fluky goals, and I thought he he played outstanding. Um, overall, the Sabers didn't get a lot of shots on net. They uh, they scored five goals on fifteen shots, which is just absurd in the NHL. Um, Philly's a hard forechecking team, and really, really did a, a nice job through both of those games, Wednesday and Friday, of clogging up the neutral zone and taking away a lot of Buffalo's rough rush chances. Um, and so I think Buffalo was a little lucky to come away with a win in that game on Wednesday night, but, uh, their elite finishing ability got them through and, uh, you know, got the W bit of an ugly way to do it, but two points are two points. Uh, <laughs> and that takes us to Friday night, which was uh, undisputably the worst game that they played all season. 
Philadelphia is not a good team on paper. They should not be you know, pacing the Sabres in a 5-1 loss. Um, it was a brutal game in pretty much every way, kind of a burn-the-tape game. You have two of your better players in uh, Matias Samuelson and Dylan Cousins go down with injury in that game. UPL looked a little shaky. The whole team looked just completely flat. There were dead passes throughout the ice, careless turnovers. They couldn't keep the puck on their sticks and just just a lack of effort overall. Um, the, the whole team just looked off that night. It's It's every team, for the most part, in the NHL drops a game or three like that in the season. It's not something you get overly concerned about. If that happens again in the near future, that's when you start getting concerned. Um, but yeah, the, the the Flyers just played a style of limiting their neutral zone transition game. And that really, really throws the Sabres off their game. It happens against other teams. I'm remembering the Islanders game earlier this year. Uh, when they get forechecked hard and they can't break the puck out into the offensive zone, they struggle. And that's the style of play you need to figure out how to play if you're going to be a successful team later in the season and into the playoffs. So they... They need to figure out a way to beat teams when they come with that style against them. So we'll move on from that game. But uh, the one player I did want to highlight from that positively, uh, Tage Thompson was battling out there. He he was he was he was trying to will this team into some some effort and just wanted to shout him out. So from there, one one win, one loss. They go into Toronto on Saturday night and go into a, a shootout with uh, Toronto. Not literally, but a lot of goals scored. There was 10 goals scored in the game. It was a 6-4 to four win for Buffalo. Levi came back from injury, took back the net, and I thought he looked okay. I mean, I, you know, not dominant, obviously. He's got uh, – he gave up a hat trick to Austin Matthews, but it's also uh, not a rarity for Matthews to put up a hat trick this year. That was his third of the season already. Good Lord, that guy can score. Um, and, and I thought Buffalo played a, a decent game. I mean, I think they got a little bit outplayed, but they still put up more goals. And that's that's at the end of the day what counts. Ryan Johnson made his NHL debut in that game and didn't play a lot. But I thought he looked good in the time that he did play uh, and got his first point. And also Al- Alex Tuck has uh, started the season a bit slow but has started to heat up recently. And, and I thought that game was a good indication of that. And Buffalo came away with the win in, in Toronto against a division rival. So great game there. And then finally, before I catch my breath, uh, Tuesday night, uh, Buffalo was in Carolina. They lost in overtime, 3-2. to two. They have yet to win a game in Carolina since 2016. Not a good stat there. And that <laughs> what? Yeah, yes, sir. Wow. Yes, sir. Uh, but you know, I thought there was uh, some really good takeaways from that game. Yes, it's a loss. However, I, I thought they hung in there with one of the best teams in the NHL. Um, credit to Carolina. Carolina is a, a powerhouse of a team. They play an incredibly stifling style. They throw a lot of pucks on the net and they are constantly, constantly moving. Their, their defense core is the absolute best in the league for my money. Um, they're incredibly fluid. They, they move their D around in the offensive zone uh, and just get a lot of motion and shots on that because of it. With Buffalo's mobile and lethal offensive defense, offensive defensemen, I would love <laughs> them to play a similar style to that. And, you know, maybe, maybe that's a topic for another day, but, but I just, just credit to Carolina. They're an incredible team. 
But with that said, I thought JJ Paterka played really well in that game. Alex Tuck played really well in that game. They combined for a really pretty goal. Um, and yeah, they, they stuck it out for a point to get to overtime, got the, got the overtime lost points and uh tough turnover from, from Tuck in overtime to get them caught out there on a long shift. I think it was Tuck. I, I maybe need to be corrected on that, but getting caught out there on a long shift in overtime against a team like Carolina, it's, it's almost a death sentence in overtime and that's, that's what happened. So um yeah, the, the one thing I noticed from that game is that, again, the shots on goal that Buffalo had were a bit anemic from halfway through the first period until halfway through the third period. So that's 40 minutes of hockey. Buffalo had only nine shots on goal. And that's just, I mean, I know that they're an elite finishing team, but that's just, that's an unacceptable amount of shots for two thirds of a hockey game. Um, so I need to see some more. Uh, shots on goal um, from from the team in situations like that. But all in all, I really did think they hung in there with an excellent team and came away with a point on the road against one of the best teams in the NHL. So all good stuff there. So in, in that four game stretch, you know, they, they, they won two, lost one and got the overtime point in another. And that leads us to their current record as of today, November 8th, the Sabres are six, six and one, and they are currently sixth in the division. However, they are currently tied in points for a playoff spot, the second wild card with two other teams. But of those three teams, Buffalo has played two more games than the other two. So you gotta. They still gotta keep pushing. They're still a little ways out of a playoff spot, but uh, I, I'd say an encouraging stretch of four games, other than the one Flyers game there. Dude, woo! <laughs> oh, there it is. The update. I like it. Hey, cheers, buddy. You you need a drink after that. Nice work. Um, so I have a few questions. Um, and my first question is: I'm noticing a little bit of a trend in both the lost. Versus Philly, five to one, and then the overtime loss to Carolina. It seems as though the Sabers are having trouble getting the the puck into the offensive zone because the in the Flyers game you mentioned that the Flyers pressured the neutral zone, kept the puck in the Bills, or the Bills, <laughs> the Sabers defensive zone, and uh, um, and really pressured the Sabers. So, which 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 kind of stifled their offensive play, their um their really aggressive um scheme, and and then also against Carolina, that Buffalo only had nine shots on um on net in those uh in that period, the last ten minutes that you said. So, um, like that seems like they're not. That means that the other team, that Carolina, had the had the puck in the um the Sabers defensive zone, right? So, we're is, is this a, a, an issue of getting? And spending time having pressuring in in their opponent's defensive zone and their offensive zone is that the issue? No, generally I don't think so. I, I overall I think Buffalo is a great team at carrying the puck into the offensive zone. They are not a team that relies on chipping the puck in and forechecking to battle the puck back. They do typically carry the puck into the zone and establish pressure in the zone after that okay they i'm not checking stats with anything i'm saying right now but uh, yeah they, they, they generally do spend a good amount of time in the other team's offensive zone okay and so it, it's it's not so much that and i think the two games were different 
the Carolina game and the Philadelphia loss. Uh, the, the Carolina game was a, a, a lot of back and forth between the two teams. There was a lot of really quick back and forth between zones, between the offensive and defensive zones. And that's a product of the two teams playing a somewhat similar style, at least as far as that transition game goes. Um, And and when I say transition game, I mean breaking the puck out. So from the defenseman to the forward and then immediately attack the offensive zone. Um, And that was evident in the Carolina game. Carolina does that. Buffalo does that. And so it just went back and forth often. Okay. The difference in the Philadelphia game was Philadelphia was – pressuring a lot more in the neutral zone. So they would stack more of their players in the neutral zone between those two blue lines and clogging up the Sabres passes and the Sabres tries to get into the offensive zone. And so they they just, they fell short and they couldn't break past that armor, if you will, uh, and establish anything off the rush. Um, And that wasn't as evident in the the Carolina game. Carolina kind of gave them a little bit more leeway to break into the zone. And it's just, it's, it's a, it's, it's the different play style of of teams, right? So Carolina and Carolina was willing to accept that because as soon as they did get the puck back, they knew that Buffalo was caught far back trying to attack. And so then then they could get a quick pass up to their forwards and then counterattack immediately. Okay. Um, whereas Philly wasn't as worried about that. They were more worried about clogging it up and then getting a dirty couple of shots on net and they, they snuck through. So, and it just how, yeah. Okay. All right. So I guess my next question is we're, we're 13 games into the season, right? Which is still not even a quarter of the way or even 20% of the way through the season, right? There's still a lot of, of hockey to be played. What do you see that you like out of the Sabres? And what do you see as things that need to be shored up, that changes need to happen so that way they can continue to be successful or be more successful than they are? Give me one or two points in each category. It's a good question. I think I'll start with I'll start with a positive. I think they have improved two positives and I'll go on to what I think they need to improve on. They both revolve around team defense and and how they're defending their own zone. They've done a better job at limiting opponents' odd man rushes and breakaway opportunities. Odd man rushes meaning there's three opposing players coming at you for your two defenders or yep. okay. two to one, that, that kind of thing. Uh-huh. Uh, they've done a much, much better job at limiting those and have placed a better emphasis on limiting opponents' high danger scoring chances. And it's translated. They're, they they haven't give, given up as many as many goals against, and that's that's great. I mean that that they were one of the teams that I think they were the team that gave up the most chances last year. Uh, right, breakaways and odd man rushes. Right, so they were known as they like, they could score a lot, but they also gave up a lot. Like that was the issue, right? Like it doesn't matter how many points you score if you give up a ton. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Ex- exactly. Exactly. They were they they were the third highest scoring team in the league last year, and still gave gave up just as many. Goals. Yeah. Um, okay. So I, I mean, that's the, an issue. <laughs> the, so I mean, it's still not great. They're about half halfway. They're about the halfway point in the league as far as giving up goals against. 
but that's a huge improvement over last year. I mean, again, they were they were toward not, not the bottom of the league last year, but they were they were one of the teams that gave up quite a few chances last year. So that's been an improvement. The other big improvement is the penalty kill. We talked about it last week. The penalty kills look great. Uh, I think the addition of Eric Johnson is a huge boon to their penalty killing ability um, and has looked a lot more solid. Tage Thompson killing penalties has also benefited them. Um he's 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 a huge dude he he he's he's he's, he doesn't have a long he doesn't use a a long stick but he has a huge wingspan and so he's been really good at disrupting other teams uh movement in the offensive zone on the power play and it's translated uh, to some offensive success too i think uh tage thompson's size has like a we need he has a whole segment on this podcast (laughs) i feel like we just talk about that bear every week his length (laughs) He's a lengthy boy. He's a lengthy sure. boy. Yeah, look <laughs> at him. He's a, just a giant. Yeah, it's super cool. Go ahead. Could continue, bud. So, so what needs yeah, yeah. What what needs to change, right? What needs what are the things that they can tweak and improve and we need to see some difference making in the next 13 games. So, I think there's a couple things. It's uh, there are obviously things to improve given they're not they're not undefeated by any stretch of the imagination right and some of the situations that they put themselves in don't lend to winning consistently and and i need to see some improvement on that one thing i'll say before i get into the the improvement is that the sabers are an absolutely elite finishing team and when i say when i say that i mean that they don't get a whole heck of a lot of quantity on net But the opportunities that they do get are very dangerous and they capitalize Mm. on those chances. And so that forgives a lot of uh, lack of quantity, um, you know. And so through their first 13 games, um, the other other teams that they're playing against are getting shots on net much more frequently than Buffalo. Through 13 games in all situations, five on five, penalty kill, power play. Their shot attempt differential is negative 76. So of all the shots that were attempted through those 13 games, the opponent was shooting 76 more times than Buffalo. Really? So, wow, that yeah, seems like yeah. a lot in yes, 13 sir. games. <laughs> yes, sir. And, and busting out that calculator that I got primed, that's about six shots six shots attempts per game, which is not massive, but it does, okay. it does add up, especially over the course of an 82-game season. Right, yeah, especially, yeah, you just got, yeah, okay. You're throwing and, darts at the board. Yeah. And so there's a stat in hockey that called, called Fenwick, which is basically so, – so there's a shot on goal, which is a shot you take, and it's – if the goalie doesn't make a save, then it's going in. That's a shot. Then there's shots that you miss the net, and then there are also shots that you shoot but are blocked by a defender. Those are the three types of shots, we'll say. So looking at Fenwick – looking at the shots that were not blocked. So shots that you got off clean, but you either missed the net or you hit the net. Of those attempts, there was, well, I'll ask you the question. How many games of those 13 do you think Buffalo outshot those types of shots than their opponent? Um, I, So kind of based on what we've been talking about, I think less. I think it's got to be, um, I don't know, four out of the 13. It's a good guess, and that would be that would be a, a fine stat. There was one game where Buffalo had more shots on goal. Okay, excuse me, more shots that were on goal or missed the net than the other team, and that was the Montreal game a few weeks ago where they ended up losing. 
Um, okay. <laughs> I don't. We won't dive into that game too much, but I thought they outplayed Montreal, and that was evident based on that stat. Okay. Um, but still, you, you know, they came up. They came up short. But that that needs to change. I I need to see more shots getting through. I'd like to see a bit more quantity at, at the sacrifice of maybe some quality. Um, but again, not not necessarily throwing away their chances uh, by taking a, a very low percentage shot on goal. Um, yeah. Get to the slot. Get get those high quality shots. But also take some flyers. Put 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 some shots on goal. That you, you see what happens. The, the you're not going to score if you're not putting the puck on the net. So right. I'd like to see that improve. And then finally, my last piece of what I'd like to see improve is the power play. The power play has not looked good. Um, they had a chance to close out the game in Carolina, uh, in Carolina the other night. They got a power play with about three minutes left. And credit to Carolina's penalty kill, uh, stifling. I mean, they, they could barely get the puck into the zone, let alone get a shot on net. So yeah, I need crazy. to see the power play efficiency you know, you know, come better up a pee-pee. little bit. I think, I think is what you need to pronounce on this podcast. Thank you very much. <laughs> Buffalo <laughs> needs a better pee-pee right now. Yeah, they're, they're, Thank you very much. Their pee-pee is as, as flaccid as it comes. <laughs> the, the joke is just right there. We got it. We got to just capitalize, you know? Like, we just got to. Oh, 100%. So, nope. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude. All right. So, question. Because um, I think that there's something in the water in Buffalo because there's injuries everywhere. Can you talk me quickly? I know we're kind of we're, – we're, de- we're definitely going to a little lengthy here. Um, but talk me quick through some injuries of what what are high concerns, what are low concerns on the injury-wise. <laughs> because both the Bills and the Sabres seem to have a whole infirmary ward for their players. They sure do, yeah. There's uh, there's a couple guys on IR. Obviously, the the ones that we know about, Quinn, uh, off-season injury. Comrie, the goalie, on IR. He's out for a couple of weeks. Uh, but then also recently, Brandon Byro, a call-up from Rochester, got injured in the Philly game, put on IR. Zach Benson, lower body injuries week to week. He's on IR. Oh, no, the Rook. The Rook. The Rook's on IR. Uh, And then the two major ones I talked about in the Flyers game. Dylan Cousins uh, picked a fight in the Philly game, and it it was a a bad matchup. I love the fire, but I would like to see him pick his battles a little bit more carefully. Luckily, that's not a big big boy. He fought a a big boy. I forgot the player's name, but yeah, he – he got dusted, and uh, <laughs> luckily, not too much of a concern. He was back on the ice on Wednesday, so he should be in line to play this weekend. Um, the other slightly more concerning one is Matias Samuelson. He had a, a lower body injury. He's now on IR. It sounded like the bad news was avoided, so we should see him come back to the ice in the short to midterm. Um, but his his injury history is a little bit of a concern, especially given the way that the team plays when he's injured. Last year, he was out for an eight-game stretch, I believe, and I think Buffalo lost all eight of those games or something like that. Oh, no. Okay. And so <laughs> he's he's a he's a major piece of Buffalo's defensive plan, and it's, it's important to have him on the ice. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll monitor that as we go. We'll see, see – when he's able to come back and how Buffalo plays without him. Um, so we'll see. Not a huge concern. I'm more interested in how the Sabres play without him rather than concerned with his injury. But maybe that's a, a conversation for another time with Nigel, too, of, of uh, how concerned we are about his his uh, injury proneness. So uh, real quick, before we move on to the the outlook for the next couple of games, American Thanksgiving is coming up. And hey, Tom, yeah. Hey, Turkey Day. Tom, I don't know if you knew this, but typically 
if a team is in a playoff position at American Thanksgiving, they go on to make the playoffs at the end of the year at a 78% clip. Wow. Uh, That's quite the indicator. It's significant. Yeah. It's yeah. if you, the points, the points in October matter just as much as they do in April. Um, there's your, there's your obvious take from uh, the let's go Buffalo podcast, but <laughs> it's significant. If you, if you are performing well er, earlier in the year, you buy yourself some leeway later in the year. And typically okay. those teams are solid and, and can make it to the, to the playoffs. So Tom, in the past 10 years, I went back and checked. How many of those 10 seasons do you think Buffalo was in a playoff spot at the American Thanksgiving mark? Well, considering uh, the Sabres have the longest playoff drought, I'm going to say a big fat zero. And that's a good guess. And that is a good guess. Uh, You're pretty much correct. Nine of them. Nine of them. They were not either not in a playoff spot or very not in a playoff spot by American <laughs> Thanksgiving. Okay. Granted, there were some COVID seasons in there that that get thrown off a little bit, but either way, in those COVID seasons, they they weren't making the playoffs. They weren't in a playoff spot. There was one year, 2018-2019 season, where they were in a playoff spot at American Thanksgiving. And it was because in October and November, they went on a 10 game winning streak where they were they were putting up points standings points those games were one goal games they were riding a a pdo bender which is just another way of saying they were getting very lucky basically and so they made it to that american thanksgiving mark and then just tanked the rest of the year so it's been dismal so far in the past 10 years um so looking forward to this year they are currently tied in points for a playoff spot. They've got about two weeks, three weeks, three weeks until American Thanksgiving. I need to see them put together some some wins here and get to that point. Just d- don't make yourselves fight uphill in January and February and March when the games get tough, when teams start locking down. Put yourself in a position now to be set up for success later in the season. So... That's all I'll say, and that, that might be a good uh, segue into some games I had here and, and where we see them going. Yeah, no, man, it'll be great to see them. So so we're 6-6-1, six, six and one, and Thanksgiving is coming up in two or three weeks. Here, three weeks, right? Um, what record do you want to see them? I mean, is it a record number, or is it just it's standings, right? Oh, yes, it's standings, right? It's a playoff standing spot. So over these next couple, what do we have to do? Yeah, no particular record. I, I think that I'm hoping for just yeah, keep keep pace, uh, stay right. stay afloat, uh, make push push and make up some ground uh, against some of the teams. Win win your divisional and conference games because those are the teams you're fighting directly against. Um, yeah, th- that's that's big for me. No no specific record. I have a request for a future podcast. Can we go over our divisional and conference opponents and who's like, who are the contenders who are, okay, these are ones we should be winning against and things like that. We should absolutely, I would love to kind of just have a, just say, okay, what's the outlook of our conference and division. That sounds like a good bills bye week We'll do a Sabres Ooh, deep dive episode. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I good. like that. All right. I like anyway. That. So who, what do we have coming up here, bud? What's, what's happening this week? So Friday, uh, November 10th, we are playing at home against Minnesota. Saturday, November 11th, we're playing in Pittsburgh. And then Tuesday, November 14th, playing at home against Boston. 
So some tough matchups in there. Um, Minnesota's a, a decent team. They've got some good goaltending with Marc-Andre Fleury and uh, Philip Gustafson. So they got some great forwards on that team too. Like that's going to be a tough matchup. Um, I, you know, I, I, I like Buffalo's chances. If they can get a little bit healthy before that game, I'd love to see Dylan Cousins come back uh, and win a game at home. Last year, they struggled a ton at home. Let's put some some home cooking on the slate here and, and win for the fans in Buffalo. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Saturday against Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh struggled this year so far. Uh, they have some elite but aging talent. So, you know, hammer that nail in the coffin. Put a statement game against Pittsburgh. Beat the teams that are down when they're down and, and you know, push them down and continue climbing. And then finally, Tuesday against Boston. Boston's a phenomenal team. They have been for, fuck, my entire life. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, Boston's a tough team. That's that's going to be a very tough game. Um, and we'll see how they fare in that one. But that is a divisional matchup. I don't I don't love their odds against that one, but that's that's why you play the games, right? I, I think they put it put a decent effort together at home. I think I think they they're perfectly willing or sorry perfectly capable of coming out with a win in that one but i think that will be a challenge fuck boston <laughs> fuck, fuck boston <laughs> so tom yeah, those guys sneak that in here those next three those next three given I, given what i just said how, how you feeling like what what, what do we think of we're, the record we're talking just win loss record you're not going to make me do this stupid point thing right i don't have a calculator and abacus to get that figured out you don't you don't have to give the points, but if you think there's an overtime loss in there, you should you should call it out. No, I'm gonna go two and one, and I wish we get bonus points for this win over Boston. Ooh, I like it. I'll I'll, I'll write the league and see what they say about that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say I I uh, I'm I'm gonna say uh, oh I was gonna say two zero oh, and one, but I think that's what I predicted the last time. So I'll, I'll switch it up. I I I will say. I'll say 2-1-0. and oh. I think they win one of those games in overtime against Minnesota. I'll predict they go to overtime against Minnesota, but get the win. I'll say they beat Pittsburgh, and I don't have I, – I, I'm not feeling good about the Boston game. I'm gonna, I'll am gonna. i chalk that one up as a loss. Oh, I'd, oh. I'd love to see 2-1 and one there. And just – I know we're running over, but real quick, I want to shout out. So in the last five games that they've played, as of, as of today, last five games that they've played, they've – accrued seven of their possible 10 points. And that's great. That's 70% of the total. If you earn 70% of the points the rest of the way through the season, that's a 109-point season, which is solidly in the playoffs. And that's a lot to ask. However, that's what I'm talking about. Bank some points now so you're not up against the wall later in the season when the games get tough. Um, So trending in the right direction. I want to see him continue to do that. Continue to push the pace in the division, and yeah, t- take her home. Let's let's. Dude, uh, I like it. See where we go. Yeah, man. What a conversation. All right, here we go. Um, so hey, folks, man, thank you so much for hanging out with us. We really do appreciate it. There's been a, a lot of new listeners. So any of you new listeners out there, come give us a like. Come give us a follow. We really would appreciate that. Um, 
And uh, we we uh, and we honestly don't look past the fact that you guys spend some time with us. This is this is a fun little just thing that we do as buds, and it's pretty incredible that anybody would take time to listen to us. So that's that's pretty cool. So honestly, thank you so so much. Um, and we, you guys truly do mean quite a bit to us. It would mean even um, even just as much um, if you could please share this episode, share it with uh, with your friends, share it with your family, find somebody. If you see our social media posts and um, and we share it, please share it on yours. So that way, even more folks can go out and see it. Please follow us on Instagram and X at Let's Go Buff Pod. And um, yeah, that, that's where you can find us. Um, this is my pal, Jake. And uh, my name is Tom, and you're listening to the Let's Go Buffalo podcast. We are sending you love wherever you are. Go Bills. Go Sabres. Let's go Buffalo. Buffalo.